I'm Zoe Addis. And I'm Jordan Addis. And this is Harry, Harry Potter, Potter and, and the, the Greater, Greater Good. This is a new podcast meant to explore the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter while analyzing the key social justice, political, and governmental questions the books raise. Looking at the Harry Potter books through a social justice lens is by no means an original idea. Organizations like the Harry Potter Alliance that we'll link to in the show notes have been using the series as a force for positive social change for years. However, in the wake of the dangerous and frankly heinous things J.K. Rowling has said about and written about our transgender siblings in the last few weeks, we know lots of fans have had a hard time with the books, including us. We want to first unequivocally state that the claims Rowling makes in her blog post are not only dangerous and bigoted, but blatantly false. It is appalling for her to use her platform to incite hate against a group that already experiences so much violence. There are any number of articles debunking her claims, some of which we'll link to in the show notes. Since we're both cisgender, we'll be highlighting the voices of transgender and non-binary fans in the notes, people with a variety of viewpoints on how to engage with the series in light of Rowling's comments. The books may feel triggering for, trans for transgender and non-binary people right now, and we want to acknowledge that and hope that transgender and non-binary fans are able to find solace whether or not that includes returning to Harry Potter. However, for many people, like us, it's incredibly difficult and painful to cut off a series which has become such a fundamental part of our identity. This in and of itself comes, to from, a, comes from a place of privilege, and we believe the books can no longer be read without critical examination and skepticism. We created this podcast to use the books as a force for good, rather than as a platform for prejudice, as Rowling has done. We will use the books to engage with issues of social justice, political rights, and civil liberties. In doing so, we hope to expose how the themes Rowling writes about in her books are entirely, entirely antithetical to the vitriol she has spewed towards the transgender community. The books are not perfect. Even beyond Rowling's own re reprehensible comments, readers have pointed out veiled anti-Semitism, racism, and homophobia in the books. However, we hope to find ways that the books can spark conversations which make all of us better. This means we will use the lessons of the books and apply them to our lives, but also, when necessary, call out the shortcomings of the books themselves. In many ways, this is a selfish project. It is an attempt for us to figure out a way to still engage with the books that mean so much to us while still standing in solidarity with our transgender siblings. Every episode, we will discuss another chapter or several chapters of the book, starting with the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived, and going all the way through the epilogue in The Deathly Hallows. We will pull out major themes in each chapter and connect, compare, and contrast them with political or social issues in our real muggle world. This will by no means be a spoiler-free podcast, so please listen at your own discretion. We're going to begin today by looking at the first chapter of the series, The Boy Who Lived. We'll begin each episode with a summary of the chapter, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Okay, so let's talk about Boy Who Lived, chapter one of the whole series. All right. We begin by introducing the Dursleys. Vernon, who works at a drill firm called Runnings or something ridiculous, <laughs> and his, husband, his wife, Petunia, and their son, Dudley. So Vernon, just like on a normal day, goes to work um, where he notices a bunch of people in the street wearing cloaks and 
talking amongst themselves really secretly and just acting strangely to him. He thinks he hears someone reference the Potters, which are Petunia's sister and her husband and their young son. All right, so um, after hearing this strange talk about the Potters, who he hasn't really thought about in a while, um, he comes home and relays this to Petunia. Um, she naturally becomes very upset because she dislikes her sister and her husband so much, and she shuts him down and wants to stop talking about it, and eventually they give up and go to sleep. So around midnight, outside in front of the house, Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall, who was a cat sitting in front of the house all day, discussed the deaths of the adult Potters and the downfall of Voldemort, who we don't know very much about at this point, but it seems like he's a pretty bad guy. And it seems like Voldemort has been killed or destroyed by little baby Harry. And so after mentioning little baby Harry, we see Hagrid, who is the keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts, on his flying motorbike, who he mentions he gets from Sirius Black. And he comes down, has little Harry in like a bundle in his coat, gives it to Dumbledore, and they mention how his parents were killed by Voldemort and he has no more family, and Dumbledore then takes Harry. Yep, Dumbledore then decides to leave Harry with his aunt and uncle and place him on the doorstep and end of chapter. Yep, that's where the chapter ends. So the first thing I really want to talk about in this chapter is Mr. Dursley's reaction to the quote-unquote strange people in the street. All right, yeah, it's a great starting point. So I want to read a quote from, I'd say, like the middle of the chapter. Mm -hmm. As he sat in the usual morning traffic jam, he couldn't help noticing that there seemed to be a lot of strangely dressed people about. People in cloaks. Mr. Dursley couldn't bear people dressed in funny clothes. Yeah, I can see how this is somewhat upsetting, especially um, thinking about what we mentioned earlier. Um, just judging people based off of their appearance or just their straight clothes or what they look like is never okay, and that has many connections to our modern day life. Right. I mean, the first thing I thought about with this chapter, or with this sentence, was the idea of people who are genderqueer, non-conforming, who wear clothes that might seem to someone who's not aware of gender dynamics or who's used to people dressing within a firm binary to yeah. be odd. I don't know, like wearing something on the top that is associated with male garb and then something on the bottom that's associated with females. And right off the bat, um, one of the first things that the books teach us is this is not okay. We're having our, who's going to become very clearly our antagonist judging people based off of their clothes and saying, oh, they're strange, they're bad. And immediately we're told this is not something that is acceptable. Yeah, it's really, of course, it's not the exact same thing. These people are wearing cloaks and in the real world, it's normal clothes, just different from what the person would expect that person to be wearing. Um, I think it's, it's a very interesting connection because we, yeah, like you said, Mr. Dursley is definitely antagonist. And we see him judging these people based off of their appearance. And then we see now many people judging people based off of their appearance. So it's a very interesting connection. Yeah, and it's this idea that people you're not familiar with have to be negative in some way. Something that's yeah, exactly. like new to you is something that's inherently bad. There's no reason why certain clothes have to be assigned to a certain gender. But we feel uncomfortable or a lot of people feel uncomfortable when they see someone... Uh, like playing with gender, it, like doing something that doesn't fit into what we mm -hmm. think of as a binary. And we see Mr. Dursley doing the same thing. He doesn't expect people to wear cloaks. He immediately first thinks, oh, it's like young people. Like it's a present, it's like a demonstration or something. And then yeah. he realizes it's old people and that's even worse. And I think 
we can see Mr. Dursley as a transphobe in this chapter. I mean, definitely not directly, but you can assume that he would be thinking about, he sees these people in different clothes and immediately thinks they're some sort of hooligans or people doing some sort of event or dressing up in some way. So yeah, definitely. And it's not even just gender, queer, non-binary, transgender folks who we're talking about, but it's people who wear cultural clothes that are people of color, especially who are wear clothes that are traditional for their cultures. So Mm. a sari or a hijab, whatever it, we people like Mr. Dursley judge them and think that those clothes are weird or strange, but that's wrong and we we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, definitely. Like people see um, a man walking down the street with a turban and either think that he's dressing up for something or they don't respect him as a person. These people that are of course, not everyone, but the people that are judging people based off of their clothes. And that is similar to what Mr. Dursley is doing. He's seeing what they're wearing and is immediately making a snap judgment. Right. So already we're seeing how what is said in that terrible, terrible blog post is so contradicted by everything that's actually in the Harry Potter books. Exactly. So the second thing I want to talk about is... Why is Dumbledore the person in charge of what happens to this child? Yes, Why <laughs> does he have any authority? He He's the teacher or the head, Master, head of a school yeah. that teaches 11 to 18-year-olds. This child is, what, a year old? One or two, yeah. Yeah, he's somewhere between one and two years old. He is not 11. He is not <laughs> school age. Why is Dumbledore in charge of this? Why is there no accountability yeah so this is definitely the main thing that popped out of me when reading the chapter um i mean you can think about it how if if in our actual world a child was his parents or her parents died he would either go to an orphanage yeah or their parents go to an orphanage or the government would find a way to help this child do anything but obviously dumbledore who is mentioned this time and time again is not at all related to the government he's actually been asked to join the government and has said no on multiple occasions so not only is he not part of a government but he's not even connected at all like he's just a guy he's a he works at a school we know he was friends or friendly with the potters but other than that there's no reason why he should be the one taking this it's not like he was their best friend like he's a hundred thousand and they were (laughs) 21 so i don't think they were like hanging out on the weekends like no one elected this guy. He's making this decision completely on his own. When Professor McGonagall challenges him on it, and it's like, hey, these people don't seem like they'd be very good caretakers. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should trust this child with them. He pushes back and it's like, nope, I've made my decision. This is my choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about like white male, like <laughs> being confident in his own choices, not listening to a woman who's trying to use something other than pure reason. I mean, McGonagall's making a compassionate point and Dumbledore's like, well, no, I've strategized. This is what we're going to do. Who cares what happens to this child? Yes. And of course, Dumbledore, which we learn later, knows that Harry, if Harry is with family, he is some in some way protected because of a special charm or something connecting um, Petunia and his mother. Which is great. Yeah. Like, good for Dumbledore, mm-hmm. but, like, you you got to explain. Like, why yes, is You've got to he... say it. You've got to tell it to the government. Uh, right. At least tell it to McGonagall, who is there with you. Yeah. I mean, there's... I mean, I get you have to be, like, kind of hush-hush about yeah, this. Exactly. It's a big deal. But McGonagall is... I would trust her, I yeah. mean, with anything. But 
even beyond it, even if it is a good idea, even if he shouldn't be going to someone else, even if he should be going to the Dursleys because mm-hmm. of this, there's no accountability to ensure that that's the right decision. Yes. No one's going back and saying, okay, let's checks and balance this. Yeah. Let's figure out, <laughs> let's have a discussion. Let's discuss this before you just send this child to people who we know are going to abuse him for 11 years. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, which brings me to another point that I was thinking of is that if if the government was in charge or if there was a system put in place for what would happen to orphan children in the wizarding world, who would he be going to? Right. Like, obviously, you would probably think after reading the other books, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, like, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. As they're there, as they were the Potter's closest friends. And if you think about it, if Dumbledore hadn't, like, essentially inserted himself into this situation where, I mean, I guess he kind of belongs, but, like... Yeah. I mean, if Hagrid hadn't gone to the house to get Harry, then Sirius would have gone and seen the baby and been like, okay, I've got to stay with this baby. I'm not going to go off and run and kill Peter Pettigrew. Mm -hmm. Kill Peter... I mean, you guys know he doesn't actually kill Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew's a rat and loses a thumb (laughs) or something. But it's Dumbledore deciding to insert himself that creates all the problems in the first place yes. if you think about it, for serious at least yes and of course i mean at this point if they were to think of a government like if there was a government body saying who he should go to obviously they think Pettigrew is dead they think Sirius black is a murderer so the next natural person who they would probably have left harry to in their will the next line of succession probably right. would be lupin and we wonder why he wasn't given to lupin he was definitely closer to them as family right. than petunia was yeah i mean we can it seems like Lupin met Harry. I mean, Vernon very clearly says in this chapter he had never met the boy. Yes. This is someone that the baby does not know at all. Mm-hmm. We, we know that Sirius met Harry because he mentions it right. in a letter. So we have to assume that Lupin has also, also met, met Harry. Harry. And you've got to imagine that the reason that Lupin doesn't meet Harry is because he or doesn't get Harry is because he's a werewolf yes, right and saying that someone can't get a child just because of something that's outside of their control is of course brings up a whole nother right line of it's this whole idea things. where oh you're not you're not what I want so I'm gonna let this child be abused instead exactly. I mean I think about it with people who are against gay adoption you would rather prevent a child from living with two parents who love the child than let that you would rather prevent that then and and risk the child being abused and neglected in a foster care system mm-hmm. then acknowledging that these two people could create a healthy home exactly and uh, of course being a werewolf which is an inherently dangerous thing even right. if it's out of his control is not the same as being a right, gay couple yes. but you but you have to think about how Lupin especially if he was taking care of Harry he would be very cautious about mm-hmm. when he turned into a werewolf I mean, I don't know how this works in the magical world, but get a babysitter for one night a a, a month. I mean, like, you could, but for every other day, besides the day that there's the full moon or the couple days that there's a full moon, he would be much, much better of a parent to Harry than Vernon and um, Petunia would be. Yeah, you gotta imagine. Yes, you have to imagine that. Right. And I also just think it's this idea of who should be in charge of where a child goes when there is a loss in the family when the parents are no yes. longer able to take care of the child. Like, mm-hmm. here we're talking about Dumbledore making a decision that, I mean, I don't know if I would agree with. I don't know if yeah. Harry's 11 years of abuse are... I don't know what the other alternative is. Yeah, we don't is. know if he would die if he wasn't right. with Petunia, but we, we don't know. Dumbledore never sells anyone. But 
But why was it Dumbledore? And why is it the government? I mean, I don't know which one is better. I don't mm -hmm. have an answer. Would Fudge have done a much better yeah. job deciding where Harry should go? I wouldn't imagine. I don't think he would send him to was Lupin. It, was it Fudge at that point? I don't know. But the like, minister. The ministry we don't have a yes. particularly positive view of. Yes. But at least there would be some kind of system of accountability. And generally, I'm kind of wary of giving the government control over over people's lives yeah. i mean i don't know i think that the government should be helping people supporting people but i don't know if the government always makes the right choices in yeah. these calls i think that i mean at least in our current child welfare system a lot of times black mothers lose their children for things that a white mother would never lose the child mm -hmm. for and then they're often like so many foster placements are incredibly abusive incredibly dangerous yeah unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it should be like a wizarding yeah. foster care system, but right. I do know, I don't think it's fair for Dumbledore to unilaterally make exactly. that Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's say it's not Dumbledore or it's not the government, right. like the general government, but if there was any system in place for an orphan, like we, from this one chapter, we learn that there's such, there's no organization right. in the magical government or the magical world for this sort of thing, which is really interesting because especially in times of war, right. they must have had to figure out things like that in Harry the Harry cannot be the only yes, orphan. I exactly. mean, what happened to Neville? Like, how was it determined that he was going to go to his grandmother? Mm -hmm. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very different. I don't know if one's better or worse. I think bureaucracy can be dangerous. I think systems and institutions can be racist and problematic, but I also don't think letting one white man who, who distantly knew, knew the his child parents kind of and he was a trusted guy but he wasn't like any it's a little sketch he, yeah <laughs> like you don't know what he's gonna do like people at that point knew he was a very very strong wizard but we're still doubting his mental sanity. sanity yeah we don't like why was this man put in charge and also we have 11 years between when harry is left or 10 years whatever and goes to hogwarts at no point does the ministry check on this child exactly at no point does the ministry do anything other than say okay dumbledore took care of this and let's say let's say that the ministry wasn't involved at all and dumbledore was the sole person in charge of harry's living situation right. why didn't dumbledore check in throughout his and 11 also, years of where living? does the ministry think harry is exactly. if dumbledore <laughs> never told them they, well i mean later we know yes. that they know where he yeah. is but like why are they not more curious? It seems like the man or the baby that yeah. brought down the most powerful dark, dark wizard in right. the world should be... We'd have some curiosity yeah, about, yeah, like, who wears that guy? Once they, yeah, exactly. They would want to know where he is, right. maybe. But we get nothing. We get Dumbledore and we leaving hear him on the doorstep. in the fifth book that they've been monitoring the area. Yes. But they haven't been monitoring to make sure the child isn't being abused, which mm -hmm. we see he is. Yes. And... They haven't been doing a very good job because there's a squib right next door and they don't seem to know that, just Dumbledore does. Yes. So so obviously Dumbledore has more power in this event right. than the Ministry does, which is another whole problematic Problem. thing. Also, another problematic thing is the neglect of leaving an infant on the doorstep. Right. I mean, I don't... Did he say he rings the doorbell? I don't know. I was about to check that. Let's pull up. All right, see because let's think the about it. Because it's midnight. If let's yes. say he wake, we we do no, see... we hear that she then screams in the morning when she puts out yes. her milk bottles. She this baby was out there 
for seven, six, seven hours and presumably or more. all the Death Eaters aren't gone. Yes. <laughs> and he's sitting out here by himself, an infant. Right. No one knows he's there. I mean, maybe being on the doorstep is enough for Petunia's protection. Okay, so sure. Dumbledore thinks that. But also, you would think that this is a very important baby. Right. This was a baby All babies are important. It's a baby. <laughs> this is a baby of Dumbledore's close friends. Right. May, would he want to stay and watch over the baby, baby until the Dursleys found it, it's him? It's evidence from the very first chapter, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that Dumbledore does not care about Harry as a person. He cares about what he symbolizes. Yeah. Yeah. He cares about him as a... Also, something I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. is maybe... And this is a compassionate reading of the Ministry here. Yes. Maybe the Ministry has fallen, kind of like how we saw in the seventh, because Dumbledore's yeah. at mean, his height yes, of his power. So maybe Dumbledore's kind of the only person. But we know that the Ministry recovers, and we have a functioning Ministry yes. at some point in the ten Between years. Between when he was born right. and when he goes to Hogwarts. So maybe we were going through some tough times. <laughs> we did a bunch of trials. Let's check on that baby we dropped off in the middle of Little Winging, whatever. Yes. At some point in 10 years. Yes, they, they, okay, let's say takes them a year to right. get ready. They know that there's a baby that took down Voldemort. They know maybe Dumbledore told them that he's with these muggles. Right. What do they do? Like, right. what's the next step? Yeah. Definitely and not also, leave him there. I, also, I don't know. And not supportive of the idea that, oh, because they're muggles, they can't be good parents. Like, I'm sure there would be some who would be prejudiced mm. in that way. But that's not what I'm saying by any means. Like, I don't want that yes. to come off as, like, what we're saying. But they should be curious because yes. there was no official process. I just mm. think it's, I don't think it's even a, I don't think it's, like, a shortcoming of the book. Like, I don't think it's something she didn't think of. I think it's immediate from the first chapter. She's framing this world as one without capable systems, without systems mm-hmm. that are able to take care of people's lives. Yes. I mean, we see Which in just a few back, chapters, yes. right, we see in just a few chapters that the Weasleys, I mean, I don't know if it's in a few chapters or if it's in books from now, but we see that the Weasleys have literally no money in their bank yes. account, but we don't hear of any social support systems exactly. that are helping them. Right away, she's framing this world this world as one that is not well run. This is not a capable and government this, system. This, this idea and topic will definitely come back yeah. in the future. I mean, I'm just, I cannot get past yes. <laughs> how the ministry runs. Because this is what bugs me more than anything. They have an entire department of magical sports. I was gonna, and I was, not I was, I was one for children that, that exactly. are orphaned. Like, they don't have... Also, what's going on at Hogwarts is... There is no oversight until okay. the fifth book. I think that we should talk about this in a future chapter. <laughs> yeah. Definitely more relevant in another chapter where he's actually at Hogwarts. But I'm just saying the Ministry of Magic needs a lot of work. Yes. And we should question when systems aren't performing the job that they should be doing. Yes. And this is perfect evidence yes. of and that. And I think that we will keep questioning that next week next week when next episode next yeah. episode when we discuss chapter 2 of the sorcerer's stone titled the vanishing glass i'll have a lot more to say about child abuse and neglect and oh, no one definitely. checking in on this poor adorable 10-year-old boy <laughs> who's just doing his best all right we'll see you next time see you next time